Welcome back to episode eight of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. In this episode, we have a very special guest coming from across the pond. It's my sister, Hannah Russell. Hannah was a great sport to help us navigate through our very first remote guest. We're always very transparent with you guys when it comes to the whole learning experience of this podcast. So thank you in advance for being with us while we learn the best way to do these interviews. Hannah is an avid snowboarder and an accomplished backcountry and remote enthusiast with some pretty impressive trips under her belt. Managing working remotely with Patagonia, Hannah is always one to get out for the five to nine adventure and we talk about the importance of just showing up. With Hannah, we also spoke about her awesome adventures around the world with her friends and her partner, Chris, some of them being more uh, successful than others, and learning now when to turn around. She also talks about managing adventures with other people, dealing with injury and being out of action as she currently is, as well as future planning and guiding. This was a really fun conversation. Of course, being remote, the sound quality isn't as great as it has been in person, but we love catching up with Hannah regardless. We are so grateful for you, Hannah, for sitting in 40 degree heat in a wardrobe in Oregon to make this work. We hope you all enjoy the conversation with our everyday adventurer, Hannah Russell. Cue the music with Kristen. episode eight of the Into the Wee Hours podcast. My name is Sarah Pendergrass and I am here with my lovely co-host Kristen Wharton. Hello. Hello. So today is super exciting. Um, We will see how it goes. This is our first remote interview and we have none other than Hannah Russell who is a little bit more familiar to Kristen than she is to me, because who is this? It's Kristen's sister. It's Welcome. my sister. <laughs> Welcome, Hannah. <laughs> Thank you, guys. Start to be your first virtual interviewee. Yeah. So we decided to get you on, Hannah, because A, you are a awesome adventurer. I actually think that there's going to be a lot of stories that I've never heard of. So while I have a little bit more insight to your background that Sarah does, I actually think it'll be quite new information for us because you've done so much and we haven't really lived together for what, like 10 years, <laughs> which is most of the time that you have been adventuring. I think it'll be really cool to actually dive into some of those like awesome stories that you have done. Um, so that's A, but mostly big one B here is that uh, you're very safe for us being our remote guest. So just before, again, we like to have full disclosure when we do all of this stuff. Uh, we, probably spent the last, what, half hour or something just making sure that all of this works. So again, to everybody, if you are hearing some background noise, just bear with us as we kind of work through the best ways to get these remote guests on. So thank you, Hannah, for being our little guinea pig. (laughs) Yes, of course. I wish your guinea pig didn't live right next to the highway. I'm hoping not too many semis will drive, but hopefully being in a closet will help. (laughs) <laughs> so yeah important point just to set the scene I'm sitting here in the studio with Kristen 
we're looking at Kristen's laptop with Hannah on the screen. Bless her, Hannah is sitting in a wardrobe <laughs> for sound quality reasons. <laughs> and how hot did you say it is with you at the moment, Hannah? In Corvallis, Oregon right now, we've been going through a three-day heat wave and it's been 105 degrees Fahrenheit every day. So for so our I don't Celsius, know what that is, like 40 yeah. something. Yeah, it'll be somewhere high 30s, early 40s. It is a dry heat for anybody on the Sunshine Coast who hasn't experienced dry heat. It is a little bit different, but still just as painful. <laughs> And especially in a wardrobe. Yes, especially in a wardrobe. Yes. All right. So I think we're going to kick off with some quick fire questions. Um, I'm going to go first. So Hannah, if you could only pick for the rest of your life, the oceans, the oceans, the ocean, or the mountains, which would it be? Be mountains. I would say I'm 60% mountains, 40% ocean, where my partner is 60% ocean, 40% mountains. So always a fun topic. <laughs> and we'll get into you and Chris later. Uh, kind of similar, endless summer or endless winter? It's a hard one to answer, but I'm going to go with endless winter because I have had some of the most fun times of my life doing ski seasons and being out in the snow. So I will say endless winter. Love it. Cool. So you mentioned skiing there. Um, if you could only do one sport for the rest of your life, what would it be? Snowboarding. Snowboarding. Cool. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'll say skiing pretty often as like a in general, but I, I do snowboard, but I'm horrendous with poles in my hand. <laughs> <laughs> There's actually a pretty hilarious video of uh so we all went and visited Hannah. This is a little anecdote. We all went and visited Hannah and Chris when they were doing a ski season in Japan and we swapped equipment. Oh, yeah. So I used Hannah's snowboard, which I mean, I snowboarded for 10 years. So it was, it was weird, but it was fine. But Hannah hadn't skied forever. And she's, I'm trying to like paint the picture, but she's got her arms up to her ears with her poles and she's just doing pizza the whole <laughs> way down in this like weird squat. It was hilarious. I don't think I've even yeah. Snowplow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Snowplow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Language barrier here, Hannah, because of the Scots woman. <laughs> yes. No, even when I'm slipboarding, though, when I need poles in my hand, if there's a little bit of a down, I'll literally like point my slipboard up the hill and because you have your skins on so it's velvety and sticky. If I'm pointing down, I'll zoom right down and be out of control. So I'll like backstep my way down and down sometimes only if it's really steep or long or something like that I can do little bits but I eat it all of the time when I am on two pieces of wood love it <laughs> now this could go for anything but what is your guilty pleasure my guilty pleasure is clothing not shopping I actually don't like shopping very much but I love clothing and I love really good material I like going to thrift stores often and just I pretty much just feel all the clothing down the line if I feel something I like I'll grab it and I like going to 
an alterations person. And so even if it doesn't, nothing ever fits at a thrift store, that's why it's there. But you can find some really cool old stuff and I'll bring it to some alterations lady and she'll help me reconstruct it to the way that I like. Uh, so my guilty pleasure is pretty much just clothing in general. Love it. Very cool. Yeah, <laughs> see, Hannah, so overall theme as well for number C is Hannah's way cooler than I am. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Not even. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Chris is, right, Kristen's just more modest than me. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I'm feeling like you're pretty cool. Um, so if you were to meet a genie, what would your three wishes be? Mm. I would ask, <laughs> I would ask for climate change to be done as I'm in 105 degree heat and the fact that I love winters. I would ask for him to tell me what my perfect job would be because I feel like I'm constantly trying to figure out what my career path should be. I'm sure that resonates with a lot of people. And I would ask for unlimited salt and vinegar chips for the rest of my life. Excellent. Excellent. <laughs> <laughs> So Hannah, you've got a lot of talents. You've got a lot of like weird talents as well. I feel like our family has a little bit of all of these like weird stuff that we just like doing for odd reasons. What's the use most useless talent that you have or like useless information? <laughs> oh yeah. Um so back to clothing. I we grew up in East Bay area in kind of a more bougie suburb it wasn't that bougie at the beginning but it got a lot more wealth near the end and me and my friend steven got really into jeans and nice jean brands i can spot what brand people's jeans are a mile away it doesn't matter if they're a more expensive brand if they're cheaper mid-range like i don't even need to see the pockets you can tell by the wash and the fit it's an awful, useless information that's in my head. It helps no one or nothing. And I'll be doing it all the time in my head for no reason. I love it. <laughs> because I remember you and Steven, like, just pointing out, like, oh, those are sevens. Oh, those <laughs> whatever else. I forget all the, the brand names yeah. and stuff. I love that you yeah. still know that, though. That's funny. <laughs> All right, you mentioned there Kristen is more humble than you. However, if you have to give yourself a compliment, what would it be, Hannah? If I had to give myself a compliment, uh, I pride myself on being empathetic, so being able to empathize with people probably. And um, yeah, just being empathetic, I guess secondary, I can surprise people. I feel like people meet me and don't think I do a lot of the things I do. So being surprising and interesting in some ways. I like it. So I added that one in there because we haven't released it yet, but we interviewed a sports psychologist. And one of the things that we talked about was like just self-compassion. And so I'm trying to make sure that everybody can start to do that a little bit more. So if we can enter that in a little bit more often, that's why it I liked putting it in there. So yeah, that was the end of the quick fire questions. Good job. Wait, they're never short. <laughs> <laughs> I, I didn't even frame them that way this time. I was like, I give up. It's yeah, fine. yeah, yeah. <laughs> Kristen wins. <laughs> Sarah's like, just try and answer it. Just one word. I'm like, nah, just take your time. 
<laughs> way more fun that way. That's how the fun stories come out. That's right. That's right. So again, I know a bit about you, Hannah, you know, just like a little bit, <laughs> but uh, most of the people who are listening are from Australia. So just give a bit of a rundown as many or little words as you would like. If someone to ask you what your origin story is, go. Great. Well, I'm sure our beginning of our origin story will be quite similar since our organs were literally made in the same human body. <laughs> Shout out Julie Russell. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I grew up in Walnut Creek, which is Eastern Bay Area, Northern California. And I grew up pretty much with the mindset of soccer and friends are life. I don't know if anyone watches Ted Lasso, but there's a great character who is just going around screaming football is life all the time. And I feel like that was pretty much me until I was 18. So I loved running around doing weekends of soccer games and hanging out with friends. And then Chris and I had good parents that were always getting us outside. And luckily we had a lot of access both in Walnut Creek and we had our um, cabin in Tahoe. We would go and ski and hike and lots of other stuff. I honestly didn't care for any of it when I was a kid. I did not care to get outside at all. I, I mean, I loved sports, but I didn't really enjoy hiking or anything. I don't even know when that flipped. I think sometime in high school it flipped where I started liking to do the outdoor stuff. And after high school, I went to Cal Poly in San Luis Obispo. And college happens. That's when a lot of athletes start being feeling the void of whatever their sport was. So for me, I didn't have soccer anymore. So I was trying to find that new team and community as well as being active. And luckily, I found that in some of the best friends I have ever made and still adore to this day. I met a bunch of great friends in college who were all really into camping and backpacking and surfing and just adventuring and traveling in general. And they were also equally into doing fun social events and going out and everything. So it was kind of being in heaven for me and I was doing a great job of filling that soccer void of having a community a really encouraging community that wanted you to succeed and learn the new hobbies as well and and being active and being outside and everything pretty much getting new sports it felt like the world was our oyster we would drive all the way down to Mexico for a three-day weekend, which was about a 10-hour drive, and we would just switch off everyone driving until you got there, and people would take turns sleeping. And we would drive all the way to Utah for spring break and do a backpacking and biking trip. We would drive all the way up to Canada to go skiing in Whistler. This group of people was just the type that would say yes to everything and actually show up. Since leaving college, I've been trying to find more friends and new friends in the places that I'm in. And I've had some really great friends come into my life since then. But it's so hard finding the people that actually show up. Every, it's so easy to say that you'll come. But to actually show up is unfortunately much harder to find than I expected. 
so yeah, they they just really encouraged me to get out and try more things. And I think I started getting more confident and feeling more capable. There's a lot of things I never thought I would be able to do or could do. And as I was getting more kind of immersed in different activities that I didn't know how to do before, I just started feeling more and more like I could do anything. That eventually brought me to going to Jackson Hole and living there for a couple years and doing my first ski seasons and just falling in love with that. It also took me to uh, traveling um, and studying abroad in Thailand and then eventually doing my working holiday visa in Australia. Yeah, and then a bunch of other stuff kind of in between. So I guess that brings me to post-college and travel stuff. But I went to Jackson Hole and found a really cool community of just rad people there who were the same people who were closing down the bar were the same people who were the first people in line for <laughs> for Powder Day for the getting first chair. And I just loved the mentality of people played so hard and it was just, no one was embarrassed by anything. It was just a really welcoming community of when you try something and fail, just everyone laughs and gets back up and tries it again. I'd also done a ski season later on in Wanaka, New Zealand, and it seemed like no one was willing to rip up their cool car. Like if you, I remember falling and getting up and laughing and everyone was trying to make fun of me. And I was like, no, no, this is when we like laugh. We're not supposed to be judgmental when people are falling um but yeah I just love the mentality that everyone had in Jackson and that's when my eyes were kind of open to this whole seasonal work thing of instead of getting a nine to five you could work for the winter and work for the summer and then take your off seasons off to go travel for two or three months and I just was hooked and knew that's what I wanted to do for at least for the first few years after college so I did my seasonal work there. I eventually moved to New Zealand for my year-long working holiday visa and did that ski season Wanaka, which was so much fun. It was really cool having such an international vibe on the ski slopes. And then eventually moving up to Raglan where I was a surf bum and started dating my now partner, Chris. And we just were traveling around New Zealand and surfing together. And he's been a surfer since he was a little grom. He's still kind of got that grom excitement attitude which I love a lot of people it leaves them and he still is a little grom anytime he sees even not that good of surf he's still so excited to get out there and I barely have one wetsuit leg on before he's already running and is like okay I love you bye <laughs> <laughs> so yeah it was just so fun falling in love with him in New Zealand and going around and traveling and progressing in our surf together and that eventually brought us to Indonesia where we did two months surfing around Indonesia and then after that we went home for a bit made some money and then got back on a plane and did that ski season in Japan where we worked at a Japanese pension pretty much cleaning toilets for a place to stay um, and a resort pass and then food and that was just the best. <laughs> yeah, that was Grandpapa. Kristen came and visited. And it was like, what are you guys living in? We were pretty much in squalor. We were living in an attic. Literally, I would go to sleep above like a bunch of their summer gear. It was like 
kayaks and paddle boards that you, we were laying above and we would be hanging all of our wet gear on all these fans that they would have for the guests in the summertime when it was too hot. It was a hilarious time and one of the most fun times of our lives, but definitely <laughs> the least amount of money I've ever had in my bank account. And that was just an absolute blast. And then, yeah, that eventually took me back home because obviously you run out of money at some point. And kind of serendipitously, I ended up getting a job at Patagonia as a graphic production artist, what, which is what I'm still doing now. And yeah, it's been a wild ride of a time. I feel like when I look back, so many things happened at the right times for a reason even if it didn't seem so at the moment. And so you guys are in Oregon now. What actually brought you to Oregon? Yeah, I was first living in Ventura, working at Patagonia headquarters, and then about a year in COVID hit. So I moved up to Oregon where Chris and I were doing long distance because he is in grad school for coastal engineering. And we were just going to be doing long distance for the two years of his degree but when COVID hit, I moved up here with him and it's been, it's been great. It's been so much fun. Oregon has so much to offer. It's just so living. Like every, nature is just so alive, which is just a breath of fresh air because California has just not seemed that way for a long time. So probably since I was a kid and they have everything. They have surfing. They have really cool volcanoes to go touring up. They have awesome rivers, really cool fishing. I hate touching fish, but Chris really likes fishing. (laughs) (laughs) But I like to go and I'll bring a book and a sketch pad and kind of walk up and down the rivers. I enjoy that. (laughs) 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 But yeah, we've been having loads of fun. I'm getting pretty fatigued with the whole work remote thing, but it's been really cool making the friends that we have here and hanging out with all the grad school students. PhD kids and grad school students are super fun. And yeah, we've been having a great time playing around, getting really into volcanoes, which has been fun. And pretty much getting ready to move now. You mentioned you are a, oh, you're going to have to remind me, graphic production artist. Is that right? Yes. um, School or... Yeah, it's pretty conducive. I study graphic communication, which is like graphic design with a more specialty in print processes. So graphic production artists is kind of right up our alley. We do a lot of print ads. We do a lot of web ads too, way more than ever before, but we do we do work on the catalog, the Patagonia catalog. And then a lot of their a lot of their advertisements like billboards or a lot of the in-store stuff like the in-store graphics we do their tags stickers yeah pretty much anything marketing that's graphic comes through us but we have graphic designers that set the aesthetic and then we're kind of like the assistant to the graphic designers we're helping them carry out their vision that's cool and I mean obviously you're working remotely now but I read was it let my people go surfing does the culture at Patagonia live up to that? Yeah, it, it definitely does. It was, I'm so grateful to be able to not have been long distance for two years with Chris, but I definitely miss the days of going into the office. There was this amazing surf break just a couple blocks down 
the street from our office and you could surf whatever time you wanted ideally for you know not much longer than a couple hours but if it was really good people would kind of fuck off for a while (laughs) (laughs) sick (laughs) yeah yeah but you could do whatever you want they also had uh, volleyball courts and people would play volleyball they had some decent running trails there was biking but you kind of had to drive a while people would more just leave work a little early if they wanted to go biking but yeah it was pretty conducive for everyone very cool that's awesome yeah one of my questions actually is because you work at patagonia and now that i know that your like actual uh guilty pleasure is clothes what's your favorite piece of gear (laughs) well clothing wise, my favorite piece of gear is my uh ski crampons because it feels like a cheat code you'll be (laughs) slipping all over (laughs) you'll be slipping all over the place and then you just put them on and it feels like what is it rosebud whatever from sims all of a sudden there you get to open up (laughs) i don't know if anybody's gonna get that that reference absolutely no idea what you're talking about (laughs) any sims players sims original you'll get what rosebud means (laughs) yes yes exactly so ski crampons are my rosebud (laughs) but my favorite what it was i'll I'll explain it for everybody so uh, in the same if you wanted like extra monies and stuff um you'd do it wouldn't be like control out delete but you've got this like extra little screen and if you do rose button it's a semicolon exclamation point like i remember doing it the amount of semicolons and exclamation points was how many thousand simoleons that you got so that you could do extra stuff so it was just like the worst cheat code ever like you wouldn't have to work for anything you could just build these mansions so that's what hannah means by yeah, her rosebud <laughs> it's her cheat code <laughs> Yeah. Um, yes, exactly. Um, but my favorite piece of clothing gear is probably my Patagonia Nano Air jacket. It's just, it keeps you so warm, but it's also so breathable. It's perfect for outdoor activities when it's cold out. I think Chris knew of the vest version. Yeah. Yeah. It's so good. We just went up uh, hiking in Lamington. I wore that like the entire week that we were there. <laughs> it's so good. Yeah. <laughs> I know. I had like... the Arctic. Yeah. Keep going. <laughs> Uh, I had the Arcteryx Adam beforehand, which is their version of it. And you just get trapped in the sweat. And then I got ours. I'm like, yep, this is better. Yeah. Hannah's little Patagucci Santa Claus every yeah. <laughs> Christmas. <laughs> I was thinking this is a good sister to have for many reasons. And Patagucci is definitely one of them. Totally. Totally. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so just resonating on some of those points, Hannah, it sounds like, um, it, you know, getting into the love of the adventure, we were both very lucky that mom and dad definitely push us to be outside. But I do remember you being a bit hesitant when we were growing up. And there was that, you know, I was even trying to think back when that flip happened. So I would say that some of the influence probably came from that, but it was at the right time that when you got into college, you met all those like awesome friends. I don't know if anybody had the college experience that you guys did. It was insane. Mm -hmm. Every time that I saw you like post on Facebook of like, just went to Mexico for the weekend. Like you said, like, that's insane. You guys had an awesome group of friends. Um, So it sounds Mm -hmm. like those guys definitely helped you foster that love of the outdoors. And then of course, just all the people in your life. So like I have always said, you or thought to myself, at least anyways, you've been so lucky with those people that you've come across with all the travels that you have done, has there been like a favorite spot that, or even just a memorable spot that you've been to that jumps into your memory? 
a memorable like a kind of instance or a more broad thing anything so it can be a favorite spot it can be a favorite memory just like an awesome season somewhere you'd like to return yeah well there was i'll give i'm gonna give a two-part answer but i'm kind of memorable time i remember we did a weekend to our friend Chris's ranch in the central, it was like inland central California. And they have just this piece of land where they have a bunch of dirt bikes and guns and just shoot stuff, mostly shoot beer cans for the weekend. And we would go out in college sometimes if we had nothing else to do. We'd be like, oh, let's go out to the ranch. And I they have this kind of cliff where you can hike up the cliff and just look over. And half of us hiked up it, and the other half were just, like, causing a ruckus down <laughs> with the dirt bikes and the guns and the beers and everything. And I remember just looking down with a few of my friends and being like, we are so effing lucky. And that just came into my mind because of, obviously, the recent conversations. But we were – it was – yeah, I've had so many moments of just appreciating the people I've met and the things I've been able to do. And that was one of them for sure. In terms of places I would like to return, Japan, man. Oh my God. Not just for skiing. Like I didn't even get to touch the surfing. The travel was amazing. Like Japan has something for everyone. If you're a foodie, they've got you covered. If you just like to travel and see pretty temples, yep, they have that. If you're into adventure stuff, they've got sick biking, skiing, surfing, literally anything you want to do. I'm not sh sure about climbing, but I'm sure they have it. <laughs> yeah, it, Japan, I would love to go back to again and again. Don't talk about it too loudly because then everybody's going to go. <laughs> I mean, Japan sucks. Tell your friends. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, um, okay, so we are looking at you sitting with, I think, a piece of clothing kind of draped over your head right now. But mm -hmm. <laughs> I was reminded earlier as you hopped out of the closet before we started this interview that you were on one leg at the moment. What's What happened there and how is life <laughs> without the adventure? <laughs> yeah, so what happened there? I mean, what happened there was years of spraining my ankle, mostly from soccer. And then there was one instance about four years ago, I was canyoning in New Zealand and I was kind of going pretty fast through just a pool of water that was kind of mucky. And I knew that this particular puddle tend to have eels in it. And so I always walked through this particular puddle quite fast. The eels are, are very nice, but I still didn't like that. I couldn't see where they were. So I was walking through it quite fast, got my foot stuck in between two rocks and then pulled. And then it just, I immediately knew I did something to it and it blew up like a big old balloon. And I was 21, 22 at the time. And I was actually working in the canyon. So I was very determined to get back because I, we were a small crew and I didn't want to let the team down. So I stayed off of it for like a week, got back in the canyon way earlier than I should have and just never let it properly heal. I've since then done a lot more rolls on that ankle, honestly, on both ankles. And I had recently rolled my right ankle. And so I went in, they x-rayed it, said, yep, it's fine. 
just about to spray. And I'm like, cool. Uh, could you also x-ray this left one? Cause the left one is the one that goes way more often. And he starts checking out. He's like, Oh, this one's way worse and x-rays it. And he's like, yep. Don't like the looks of that. So then he gets an MRI and the MRI comes back that I have no ligament on the outside of my ankle. It's called the anterior talofibular ligament. And they call it uh, ATF, always tears first. It's just a very common ligament to tear in your ankle. And that would be why I kept rolling my ankle because that's the ligament for support. And I just kept on flopping over <laughs> pretty much on it. And so they're like, you're going to need surgery to fix it. And I'm like, well, I'm not getting any younger, I say at 27, but still, I'm not getting any younger. I would like to bounce back as well as possible and decided to get surgery. So I'm now on a knee scooter for the next. It's been two and a half weeks since surgery and I've got another week and a half to go before I can start hobbling. But a fun little side thing is that my boyfriend, Chris, he had a very bad, he's also had a lot of sprains from sports, but he had a particularly bad one when we were mountain biking last summer and he did a lot of PT and all the things you should do and it didn't really heal. So he got an MRI, bunch of cartilage damage, kind of some chunks of bone and cartilage were just floating around in there and then also loose ligaments. So while we, he was getting surgical consults, I was also getting surgical consults with the same doctor to get ankle surgery. And fast forward to now, Chris got surgery about three weeks before me for his ankle and he's six weeks non-weight bearing. And then I got surgery a few weeks later, four weeks non-weight bearing. And it is just bumper cars in our house. It is. I get it. These features, though, That's, they are—they're a miracle. I think they—they they are a miracle. So much better than crutches. Yeah. We are a sight to be seen, though, when we roll up anywhere. <laughs> I'm the one who has who usually is driving because it was my left ankle and it was his right ankle. So I'm usually the driver, and. We'll drive to play. We'll hop over to the trunk, put both of our knee scooters in the car, hop over, <laughs> drive to where we need to go, hop. I like imagine a movie scene of us like getting out of the car and hopping to get our knee scooters. And that song, um, they see me rolling, they hate <laughs> it, is just in the background as we're slow with scootering with our glasses on. Um, yeah, people love asking what happened. They just or the first question is like, what, what is the story there that had to have happened together? And we like making up new stories every time. <laughs> what, what's your best story so far? <laughs> um, this very fratty looking guy for anyone who is international and doesn't know the term fratty, the fraternity boys who are kind of the bro type of dudes, the, the very typical lads um, he was walking by and was like, huh, what happened there? And I just yelled back, bedroom accident. And he is like, good for you. And is just absolutely <laughs> hyped. <laughs> uh, that was one of our better ones. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. That's so I guess I love that you're making light of this, but injury, broken things, it's kind of a recurring theme with adventurers and athletes. And obviously yeah. you and your partner are both limited at the moment. How is that going for you? 
<laughs> my partner is also uh, about two weeks out from defending his thesis. Already a very stressful time in his life. Add in him recovering. Add in his emotional girlfriend recovering. <laughs> it's we're we're getting through it good, but we've definitely had a few days in there where we're both just grumpy as can be but we're doing pretty good um sometimes people will like try to answer for us and be like well it seems like you guys are taking it pretty well I'm like no no it's not fun I don't like this I'm not taking it great like we are taking it good but I just uh it's it is really hard it's not very fun it dishes just don't get done because it's too difficult for either of us really to be doing anything honestly (laughs) (laughs) I think they say you know if you want something done give it to the busiest person in the room whereas (laughs) I'm sure that once you're injured and you've got all this time on your hands man you just like it's hard to do anything yeah I think we've all been there in that spot of like oh this just sucks and there could be all these things that you're doing and stuff but yeah, sometimes it's pretty tricky to get through. Is there anything that's getting you through the days? Yeah, um, I set up a little art studio where I bought a bunch of paints and have been doing a lot of painting. I get very into new crafts. And when I am into a new one, I like am pretty balls to the wall doing it all day, every day. So I'm really into acrylic pouring right now where you can kind of make these cool effects. Yeah, I wanted to get into that first because I would love to get into resin pouring after, but resin is obviously much more expensive. We have a little shaping shed in the back with a bunch of leftover resin. So I would like to try to play around with that at some point. But for now, I'm having fun with acrylic pouring. Cute. (laughs) And when you say shaping shed, is that for surfboards or what's that? Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, for... uh, Oregon winter, we kind of set up this shaping shed in the background and we bought some surfboard blanks and Chris shapes. Uh, it was like a five, 10 fish. And then I shaped a six, eight mid-length board. And yeah, they turned out really cool. I adore them. I shaped a long board at one point in college as well, but it had been a while. I, I was very nervous at every step of the way of if I was going to screw up my board, but I mean, it's when you're shaping your own boards, you're going to screw it up. You just have to accept it. My rails aren't the most even, but I love the board. I brought it to Hawaii a few months ago and it it does, it's perfect for everything. We watched Surf's Up last night, so I'm just getting <laughs> like flashbacks. Ooh, good yeah. <laughs> to Cody surfing his, or uh, shaping his board and he like hacks it away and the first one snaps in half. <laughs> Um, yeah, that's actually exactly how you shape them. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just hammer it down. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. With a shell. Yeah. I think that's how he shaped it. And you've got to go with the grain. <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Exactly right. <laughs> so you, you're saying that you and Chris do a lot of, you know, travels and adventures together. How do you guys manage all of those, like planning and, you know, executing all of your adventures? This is non-injury for both of you guys. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. uh, Well, I am a big planner and I like to plan out all the different scenarios. Like if this and we could do that, if that, then we could do that. And then Chris is much more of a, I mean, he grew up surfing. And if you meet anyone who's grown up surfing with everything in their life, they're like, 
their mindset is, oh, well, it's conditions dependent. Like, even if it doesn't have to do with surfing, they're like, I don't know if I'm going to feel like doing that that day or whatever. They don't like planning things out. So it's trying to find a spot in the middle because I do agree that it's fun to keep your schedule open a little bit more for travel. But now that we're not doing the kind of seasonal work so much and it's more nine to five schedule and you have a less less time to take off, I want to be able to make the most out of my time off and everything. So I would like to do more planning than he would, but he's always kind of in the back of like, well, let's see what the conditions are like. Let's see what our mindset's like. So it's a balance. (laughs) Yeah. You guys are great, like five to nine adventurers of making it work around your work schedules and around his studies and things like that. How would you, Mm -hmm. like, how do you say that it works so well for you guys and how would you tell people, you know, this is how you can kind of balance everything out for those people who are looking to get into, you know, just like the weekend warrior stuff. Yeah. I mean, showing up is the hardest part, isn't it? I think you made such an awesome point earlier when you were saying that people say, yeah, yeah, I'm keen, but showing up, yeah. that's the real truth. Yeah. That's, that's such a yeah. point. Sorry, yeah, I, I just that resonated so much. No, for sure. I, I feel like a lot of people feel the same. Um, yeah, I don't know. It. I feel like showing up really is the hardest part. People will say they're keen and then you'll be like, cool. Okay, what are you doing this Saturday? Let's show up at this time. And they're like, oh, I was going to do laundry that day. You know, it's usually when I grocery shop, like just excuses. I'm I'm always like, you can tell me if you don't want to go, don't insult me and tell me that (laughs) you have laundry to do because obviously that can get done whenever. Um, But yeah, I would say the biggest thing is just saying, I know putting it out there and saying it out loud definitely helps. I think Matt was talking about that a little bit. When you keep it to yourself, there's, you feel like you have more leeway, but if you are saying it out loud. It doesn't even have to be to people, but just to yourself. It makes you commit, I think, a little bit more. So saying you're going to do it, just show up. It's really not as hard as people think. I think people get really into making sure they have the right stuff and are there at the right time. It's okay if you're not there at the perfect time of year. Like Chris and I really want to do this particular cool R. It was a little late in the season. The coverage wasn't great, but we just went for it anyways. And we actually got really lucky where there was a little bit of fresh snow. And it was it was actually ended up being one of my favorite skis I've ever done. And I was kind of had this thing in the back of my mind of, oh, it's too late a season. I don't think it's going to just be sticky, but it ended up being awesome. That's, yeah, that's super cool. And then you just reminded me there when you mentioned Matt and talking about, you know, just going for it, that one worked out for you. Have you had any memorable adventures where that has been the complete opposite and it's felt like a failed, in inverted commas, adventure? Which sport do you want me to start with? (laughs) (laughs) Go for it with any. The way that I would frame it, because I know you, is Hannah, you are stubborn. (laughs) So there's a lot of failed adventures, I'm sure. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, I'm stubborn and I'm dating someone who is equally, if not more stubborn. Luckily, the older we get, the more comfortable we are at turning around. But in our beginning, 
days of us adventuring together and stuff, I feel like we got in a lot more of sticky situations. Well, with skiing, I'll start with, um, we, we did Shasta last summer and summited and it was all happy days, really hard, really fun, really reward, rewarding. But that was the second time we attempted it. In February that same year, we tried going up and we made it, we like kept going, winds were getting stronger. We had checked the winds that morning. It said it wasn't gonna be much more than, I don't know, I think 40 miles per hour winds or something. And we kept pushing and I was just getting thrown around. We had our cheat codes on, we had our ski crampons and we had our uh, boot crampons. So we thought we would be fine, but I was just getting thrown around the place. And Chris really wanted to make it up to this certain lake that was at about 10,000 foot elevation. And so we just kept pushing through it and just kept getting blown down. There was a point where I got blown down quite far and my cheat codes broke. My uh, ski crampons broke just by the way that I landed. And I turned to him, I'm like, get me off of this mountain right now. <laughs> and we get down kind of tail between the uh, legs we were hoping to summit the 14,000 foot peak. And I think we got to like eight or 9,000, just barely even. And we had spent hours just getting to that point. And then we eventually looked and we're like, what happened with those winds there? And it had changed from like 40 mile per hour winds at 3 a.m. when we left to being like 100 mile per hour winds with 120 mile per wind gusts. So we were just, yeah, getting knocked around. Um, and then I would say my biggest fail story with surfing was in New Zealand. Chris and I were going to this island called uh, Matakana, which is just a little island off of North Island. And he had heard about it from some of his surf work friends. And there is all this backstory behind it that I didn't find out till later, but we'll get there. So you can take a ferry to get to this island and Chris had this really dinky old minivan that um, he was kind of traveling out of and we brought that over and we get to the ferry and we're on the ferry and everyone's kind of giving us weird eyes on the ferry. They looked like really tough guys looking kind of annoyed or like upset at us. And I didn't really think much about it. I'm like, eh, I mean, we definitely stand out a little bit. We don't look like anyone but didn't really think much of it. And then we are in the van and get off of the ferry and Chris is like sweaty and just goes, oh my God, thank goodness. I didn't think we were, they were gonna let us off. I'm like, what are you talking about? He's like, yeah, this is like known to be really good surf island, but most people uh, only boat up to it because I guess they're kind of known for having some drugs being grown and created on this island. They do not like visitors. And the number one visitors are surfers because it's got some really good surf on it. And then we're this at this point we're on the island. I'm like, what? You did not tell me that part of this trip. I thought we were just going to like a happy days island where we're gonna be surfing. And so I'm already kind of nervous, but we continue on and we're getting kind of close to the ocean, but it's really sandy everywhere. It, like it was kind of sand dunes before you even got to the coastline. And I'm 
like sweating like I don't know where we are in this really heavy minivan it doesn't seem like it's going to be getting through the sand very easily and Chris is stubborn and is like no we've got it and just like pushes through and of course we get stuck we get like really stuck and we spend the next four-ish hours digging out this van that's like really sunken under there Chris is like occasionally checking to go see the surf and he's like oh my god it's firing I'm like no we are not surfing until we get this van out we are not spending the night here so we spend about four hours get it out and um find some like flat pieces of wood to put under the tires so that we can drive out of the sand and have a little bit of traction and by the time we were like ready to go and give it a try, he's like, okay, cool. We're dug out. I'm so sorry about this situation. Can you give me the keys? I'm like, I don't have the keys. And he's like, what do you mean? I gave you the keys. And then I was like trying to think to myself, I'd put the keys. I do this often. I'll put things in my sports bra to the side. I do it with my phone really often so I can like hear the vibration. I did that with the keys as I was digging, it fell out and now it is in the big pile of sand that is just everywhere of us taking out this minivan. And he, oh my gosh, I still think that's the most angry he's been with me to this day. And I'm like, I'm sorry, I'm sorry, I'm sorry. He's like, how could you do that? Are you kidding me? And so he st couldn't believe it for a while. He was looking everywhere in the van. I'm like, it's not in the van. I'm pretty sure it's somewhere in the sand. And then the next hour is looking for the keys. Luckily, we find them. Eventually get off of this island. He wanted to go surf so there wasn't a complete bus. So he went and surfed. It, by then, it was awful. The rip was insane. He was just getting dragged all across the coastline. And then we just got back in the van and got the heck out of there. And you're still <laughs> if we together. Yeah, if we had spent the night there, it would have not been good. We would have had people knocking on our van, being real upset. True, especially the island that you were at. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the no island idea. we were at was not cool. Yeah, I did not know that story. <laughs> like, I know that you I guys have been Mom through a lot together, but like, <sighs> to make it through that trip together and still be... <laughs> Yeah, that was a yeah when <laughs> oh yeah well when we got off of the island he was once we were safe and sound and like had gotten dinner he wanted to start joking about it really like immediately and was like I can't believe you buried the keys and I went off like do not start with me who brought us who brought who to this danger island without telling that person <laughs> too soon too soon Chris <laughs> find your moment <laughs> yeah yep exactly he was 23 at the time I think at 27 now he's better at finding his moments <laughs> yeah yeah it, even though you're not married it's happy wife happy life <laughs> for sure <laughs> so a few failed adventures I love that what's what's I guess one of your most proudest ones has there been one that really sticks out to you that you had to really work hard to get to or yeah just something that you you find a lot of pride in. Yeah, I mean Shasta was a pretty big one. That was no easy feat. It was it was really hard, but it was so worth it. We had a great ski down um like 4000 foot of vert or something that we got to ski by the time we got to the top. 
that was really amazing. There happened to have been a butterfly migration happening, which only happens like once every 30 years. And there's these monarchs that are just randomly at the peak at 14, whatever it is, 14,300 feet. And then there was just butterflies everywhere. And it was no wind, a beautiful sunny day. That was definitely a good one. Um, doing bloody coolar that coolar had mentioned before that was also a really hard one it was a really steep slope angle i think it was like a 45 degree slope angle for the entrance just real steep and then um we had a bunch of good snow that got blown in which was amazing but it kind of made for a little bit of sloughing and I don't know. I just was so proud of myself. I got to the end of that cool art and Chris was like, you did so good. And I just started crying like all in my goggles. <laughs> He's like, why are you crying? I'm like, I killed that. <laughs> I just was so proud of myself. It was a really steep and kind of skinny entrance. And I was just really proud of the way that I boarded that especially now knowing as well that you had no ankle ligaments for any yeah. of those adventures, including a marathon as well. So Hannah did an entire marathon yeah. without ankle ligaments. Yeah. And Luckily, so, no rolling during the marathon. Yeah. yeah. That, that was a road marathon you did, was it? Road? It was a trail marathon. Was trail. Ah, and Kristen coached you for this, is that right? No? I don't I don't think so. I might have given you some tips, but think, you pretty much... I just remember you posting about it, but it must have just been like a I was proud just a sister left. moment. Just yeah. a proud sister moment. Yeah. <laughs> what do you typically do in between adventures to keep in shape for? I mean, these sound like massive challenges, these summits, you're skiing. Like, what does your day-to-day -day look like? Yeah, well, it. I haven't had a very stable life for a while where I've been able to stay in one spot and have a pretty normal schedule. I thought I was going to get that working at Patagonia, but COVID kind of turned that around and being remote, it's kind of hard keeping a tight schedule, but I do still really love to run. I haven't been able to do it so much for a while, at least not the longer distance that I used to like to do because of this ligament. So I'm hoping post-surgery I can get back to that. We surf a lot of our weekdays in Oregon right now we're about an hour from the coast but we'll all start to just start work early and then we'll get off early and drive to the coast and get some surf in I've been getting really into mountain biking which I've been loving and Oregon has amazing it's perfect trails for learning how to mountain bike we started a little bit in Reno but it's really loose dirt there and I was just not feeling stable ever and then we came to Oregon and everything is just a lot more moist and the trails are just harder you can kind of lay into turns more and know that you're not going to be fishtailing so I've been really enjoying that yeah hiking I like yoga I would say mostly I mean it really changes I get really into a new activity and then I do it all the time so kind of one of those pick your poison kind of things nice. yeah you never really train for anything it's mostly like all right, so I'm going to go for this hike because I want to, which kind of then supplements my stamina for surfing, which also can help with my biking, which then return helps with my hiking, yeah. and my surfing, and my yogaing, and everything else. So it, as long as you're outside, I'm pretty sure you're just like, that would be training. <laughs> yeah, I've never thought of myself to be an athlete. I just 
I think of myself as athletic and active. So if I just stay active, I feel like I can do all those things. I trained for the marathon, obviously. And then we did the Annapurna circuit in Nepal, which is like a two week hiking thing and trekking um, in the Himalayas. So that one I did a little bit of training for it, mostly just trying to get into some higher elevations. But besides that, I pretty much just stay active and then show up. Yeah, nice. <laughs> And you have done a lot of stuff with your friends too, like Hannah's friend, Anna, Hannah's friend, Anna, just got <laughs> married in Alaska. And part of her, um, like hen's weekend was this hiking trip. And so like, that's like classic with you and your friends of, again, just being out there for everything, but sometimes it's hard to manage everybody else on your adventures. So how do you manage an adventure when you've got in your case, sometimes up to like 10 different people and, you know, everybody's at different levels and everybody kind of wants to do different things. Do you guys pre-plan that before? Is it in the moment? Kind of talked about how you're, you plan for all of those people that come along because it's amazing, but it's also pretty tough to, to manage. Yeah. I think just taking to account what everyone's comfort levels are and their abilities and you're not going to know unless you ask so asking all those people like if I haven't gone doing a certain thing with someone asking their experience and their comfort levels and all that types of stuff but I'm always happy to I'm not I do really like getting peaks now and then but I'm not like a hungry peak bagger I'm not upset to turn around if someone in the group is feeling a little off or something but if we're with a particular group that everyone knows each other's strengths, like people I've gone adventuring with a lot, whether it's mountain or yeah, mountain biking or backcountry skiing or whatever it is, if we all know each other's strengths and we know that everyone's strong, I feel like we're all, we all kind of are in the same groove of like, okay, so we're doing this thing, right? and just changing the mentalities. I'm happy to always change the mentalities to whoever needs it. If it's their first tour, I'm just happy getting out and getting some turns. And if it's a lot of really strong backcountry people, yeah, let's try to do something bigger and challenge ourselves. Awesome. Um, you mentioned post-surgery. Do you have any future adventure plans or goals that you're scheming up while you're hopping around? <laughs> yeah we have uh so chris is like i said almost done with grad school he's in much of a need of a break and we're both coming out of these surgeries so we've been kind of dreaming up a central america surf trip for how long i'm not quite sure yet but we're we would really love to go to el salvador nicaragua and costa rica for some surfing in warm weather awesome. But Delta variant has become more of a thing in the last couple of days. So we're going to kind of reassess that in the weeks to come. Maybe not go at all if that's what it needs. Ideally, maybe just an adjustment and maybe instead of traveling around, just going to one place and staying there and coming home. But whatever is safe, we would like to try to make happen. Cool. And you were kind of... Um like we've also had a little bit of conversations about in the future, maybe even you looking at leading some groups and stuff. Talk about what you've got kind of scheming in your head there. Yeah, uh, I would like to get more into, it doesn't even need to be leading groups per se. I just feel like I'm 
like I said, I'll, I'll always show up, but I don't feel like I, I'm the group leader all that often. So I would like to do a little bit more leading when it comes to routes, probably, especially backcountry. I want to be kind of picking the routes more. Chris is really into that. I love planning our food stuff and I really like planning our gear stuff and from hard gear to soft gear, like what we're wearing and all that. And yeah, he really likes looking at um, Google Maps and looking at all the different trail apps and all that stuff. I wish it would excite me more. I think it would once I start doing it. I would like to feel like I can lead those more because I would like to do some stuff with I love doing all girl adventures and I think it'd be really cool to invite some of my girlfriends who may not be as comfortable out in some of the stuff we do and kind of lead them around. It's awesome and have you worked you mentioned New Zealand and canyoning have you worked professionally as a guide as well? Yeah I was doing canyon and cave guiding it was really intro stuff I wasn't very experienced at all they just liked that I was a camp counselor because it was working with kiwi kids because I do PE as well as outdoor recreation so I'd be taking these school groups of kiwi kids into the caves and the canyons and teaching them rope work and a little bit about kind of the geography and the landscapes in there. And that was so much fun. I felt like such an imposter though. I was teaching Kiwi kids about the New Zealand bush. <laughs> I am not a bush woman. <laughs> Plus you're not I'm Kiwi. Running... <laughs> yeah, I am not a Kiwi and I'm not a bush woman. I'm running, I'm getting hurt because I'm running through puddles that I think have an eel in it. <laughs> 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 so again, suddenly becoming an expert on the local nature and all of that I imagine as well so yeah when we're talking of guiding side side little story I worked as a kayak guide on Sydney Harbour and um, worked with a Swedish girl and you know you talk about knowing the local flora and fauna and you're pointing out things she would see a bird or something or a plant and just be like oh I know what it is in Swedish but I just can't remember what it is in English <laughs> when she had no idea what she was looking at whatsoever. <laughs> and then you don't, Hannah's got like zero clue about Kiwi language as well. <laughs> yeah, you should have, you should have heard the bullshit I was spewing about glowworms. worms. <laughs> <laughs> And I know that they were going home and being like, listen, all this I heard about glowworms. And it was just all wrong. <laughs> <laughs> Another surf's up reference. <laughs> they have glowworms and they're like pooping and they slide into like Cody and um, Lonnie slide into the, the glowworm poop. Yeah. Is that actually what it is? No, that actually I can say is not accurate. They do poop, but that's not the things that are glowing. Okay. <laughs> Good to know. Bloody surfs up. Put me down the wrong direction. God, Pixar, Disney Channel, whoever did that. I think it was like Paramount. It wasn't even, anyways, this is a whole tangent. We don't need to know that much yeah. about surfs up. Debatable. True, true. Very valid. All right. So we're mindful of your time, Hannah. Thank you very much for uh, for kicking around. The last and final question, I always like to kind of toss this over to Sarah because she explains it much better than I do. <laughs> All right. So our final question, 
I have been coaching a group of little girls on their mountain bikes with a friend of mine, Jackie. And these little girls, within the hour of their lesson, pretty much always need to go to the toilet or use the facilities, as I say. But their little request is always that they need a wild wee. So our question for you, Hannah, is what is your wildest wee? <laughs> I'm going to interpret that with my most unfortunate wild wee. <laughs> we... <laughs> Chris and I last year, we did our last kind of mountaineering ski, ski mountaineering tour in about July. It was pretty late in the season, but you could still get in some turns and get to some peaks. And we did Mount Adams, which is in Washington. And it's about at 12,800, but it's quite a lot of elevation, pretty similar elevation to when we did Shasta, I think like you know, around 6,000 foot elevation in the day. We had gone, we started at about 2 a.m., gone up to the peak, took our pictures, uh, came snowboarding down, some really good snow at the top, really grabby at the bottom, and had brought our split boards back into, on to our backs and were hiking back down because the snow line was quite high, so you had to do a lot of hiking at the end. And we had, it was probably on hour 13 or something of us doing this ski tour, being awake and hiking or hiking up or hiking down. And we were just exhausted. We hadn't seen anyone in probably like four hours since we were skiing. And we didn't even know how close we were. We knew we were getting to the end, but we were exhausted. We were getting a little moody. And I was like, okay, I'm going to stop. And do a quick pee. And I am notorious for doing what Katie Burrell is, uh, makes fun of in one of her videos. When I go to the bathroom in the outdoors, I take about two steps off of the trail, drop trousers, pee, and be done with it. Especially now, I had all of my gear on my back. I wasn't trying to do any extra steps I didn't have to do. I barely took a step off the trail, started to pee, and just heard a, oh, and <laughs> Uh, turn around there's these two guys who we didn't see anyone for hours and there's these two guys who are just like sorry and like turn around and then I don't even finish my pee I like quickly try to get up and I had I have a onesie merino layer for my base layer so I'm trying to zip up the butt flap as I'm like running away from these two boys who just saw me peeing and I run up to Chris and like nearly knock him over and he's like what is the matter I'm like two people just saw me pee and he's like I told you to not ever to actually walk off the trail stop doing that and I'm embarrassed but trying to stop thinking about it and we keep walking along and about 30 minutes later these two boys who are walking quite fast walk by us and they turn to us i knew it had to be the boys who saw me pee so i'm hoping we just will awkwardly walk by and not say anything and as they're walking by they go hey uh we were just wondering do you guys know if it's a full moon tonight and i clearly understand <laughs> They are making fun of me because <laughs> they just saw my butt and while I was peeing and I was getting all ready to be like, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, you saw my butt. But before I could answer, Chris, bless his heart, it goes, 
No, I'm pretty sure that was like over two weeks ago. I mean, it's definitely not a full moon. And they're just kind of snicker and they're like, oh, okay, thanks, dude. And then keep walking. And he just turns to me and he's like, that was a really weird question. And I'm like, those are the guys who saw me pee. And I was so embarrassed, but also so grateful that I didn't have to answer them and that Chris and his, at the moment, ignorance of the situation was the one who answered for me. <laughs> that's pretty good. And that's just like a lesson to everybody <laughs> to take a couple steps <laughs> out of the trail. <laughs> I know. I still have to remind myself all the time because of that situation, it's easy to be like, Hannah, don't be lazy. Just get over into that bush. <laughs> There's usually literally like a tree just off that you can hide behind and always go around the corner as well. <laughs> I know. Yeah, yeah. Onesie on top of all of that too. That's impressive. <laughs> I know. It's, yeah, you're, when you're bending up down with your whole pack full of your ski gear, it's very heavy. So I'm just doing the best to not topple over as I'm peeing. <laughs> With your backpack too. I'm just getting the excellent <laughs> image. Oh, I love it. Yes. That's awesome. Yeah. <laughs> okay. So, oh, I've had so much fun chatting to you, Hannah. And I should say for our listeners, it's like I'm looking at 20s here. Kristen and Hannah are <laughs> definitely sisters. <laughs> Jeans are strong. <laughs> yeah. Is there anywhere online that people can find you if they're interested? They're welcome to find me on my Instagram. I believe I'm H Russell R U S S E L L 33. I don't post very much anymore, but I'll sometimes do some postings of adventures here and there. I'm pretty sure that's like literally the same response I gave. I'm like, I'm not really on that much anymore, but like everyone's. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I've been noticing that you've been posting more since the podcast, which I've been enjoying. Good content. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Just trying to create a little bit, you know? Much like Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, all originals, no other people's TikToks. Oh, <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. Back to the TikTok. <laughs> <laughs> People are just a lot more funnier than I am. And <laughs> why, try, why have me try and do a less good version if somebody's done the exact version that I want to display? And it's already been done. True, true, true. <laughs> well, thank you again for your time, Hannah. You look like you're roasting. Yeah, it's sorry. bad image quality, but I'm pretty sure I can see the sweat coming off of your forehead. So <laughs> have an ice bath, yeah. <laughs> get some water in you, maybe some electrolytes. <laughs> it's part of your training for today. <laughs> yes. The ice bath back on the head now. <laughs> yeah, pretty much just switching from an ice pack from my foot to my head real oh, Hannah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, a couple showers then yeah <laughs> yeah <laughs> awesome well so good to meet you thank you so much hannah and all the best with your recovery oh thank you great talking to you guys too thanks hannah love you christian <laughs> thanks for listening to another episode of into the wee hours podcast to get in touch, you can find us on Instagram at Into the Wee Hours Podcast or email us at Into the Wee Hours Podcast at gmail.com. 
Sarah is all the gear, nay idea, and that is N-A-E for all you non-Scots people. And Kristen is at Kristen Vaughton on Instagram. To read the show notes or to find out more about fast packing and bike packing workshops, visit intothewehours.com or follow at intothewehours on Instagram and Facebook. Happy adventuring and we'll talk to you next time.